Welcome to Miniculture Season 3. I'm Jamunde Tway. We're bringing you the best stories about the arts, about culture, and history of Minnesota. Produced here at KFAI. It felt like we were in it, didn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? It feels like we're in it. The first note is like you face the death. I don't think they expected people of color to survive here. I'm one of those in the moment singers. Oh, guys, this is great. In this episode, we're going to be talking about something that can be kind of hidden and sometimes very hard to talk about. That thing is chronic illness. Over the last few years, we've aired a couple of stories on KFAI about what it's like to live, to work, and try to make art all the while dealing with health issues. That just won't go away. We've heard from these folks about how being sick can actually inspire creativity, but it can also be defeating, draining all the inspiration and drive in you. Take Stefan Alexander, for example. You might know him better by his rap name, P.O.S. I ain't waiting for nothing. I just show up to shine. That or don't show at all. Sit at home and unwind. They continue, they front, and they keep ignoring the signs. Ain't shit out there, I'm hunting. Everything in its time, and that's right now. He's a rapper, he's a punk rocker, and he's a member of the collective Dome Tree here in the Twin Cities. And if you follow P.O.S., you may know that he's struggled with chronic kidney disease since he was a teenager. And for a long time, it didn't really slow him down. He was a prolific musician, playing in multiple bands, releasing solo records, and he was constantly on tour. But in 2012, the disease caught up to him. He had a kidney transplant, and that was followed by a year and a half of dialysis. He couldn't tour, and the dialysis meant a lot of time alone in his house, pumping his body full of fluids and waiting for the toxins to drain out. And while for some musicians being sick or injured might give them the material to write about for POS, he just felt like it dampened his creativity. One of our producers, Nancy Rosenbaum, talked to POS back in 2016. This was right after he released his song, Sleep Drone Superposition. It was the first track he had put out since he had gone through kidney transplant. During the interview, she asked him, why he thought being sick made it so hard for him to write songs. I think just feeling sick and lonely and not feeling any like anybody wants to hear about that. I don't necessarily want to hear about when, you know, somebody's sick. He felt like there was no one around him who could relate to how he was feeling. <laughs> Where do I find another 30-year-old that has kidney failure right now that I could talk to and relate with? And there just wasn't anybody. He would still write things down here and there, one lyric at a time, or a random thought in a notebook. But it was more for himself, not anything he thought he'd ever want to share on stage. When I was feeling creative, it wasn't creative in a way that if it was anything that I'd want to share with anybody. When Nancy interviewed P.O.S., she learned a lot about what the process was like for him to go from constantly being on tour to now being sick, at home, alone, and how that affected his craft. Here's Nancy recapping that moment when POS's health really started to take a dive. Back in 2012, while performing at a summer music festival with the hip-hop collective Doomtree, POS noticed that his energy was zapped. He had to perform some of the set while sitting down on the stage monitors. And I knew that it was kidney stuff because that was always the thing that was, like, looming. And that's, like, one of the main features is you don't notice how tired you've gotten, and then all of a sudden you're super tired. <laughs> P.O.S. had been diagnosed with chronic kidney disease as a teenager, 
but it wasn't until he reached his early 30s that it really caught up with him. When he found out that he would need a kidney transplant, his friends and bandmates from Doomtree set up a crowdfunding campaign to help cover his expenses. More than 1,000 people contributed over $42,000. POS spent months struggling to find a way to say thank you to all those people who'd supported him. Everything I wrote just came out super corny, and it didn't feel genuine, and it was frustrating. Eventually, he found the right words, and those words, he says, are at the heart of his newest song. I tried to write a note to everyone who came out and supported when my kidney couldn't clean up my poisonous blood. But I just stared at the page. And when I wrote it, I felt nothing but the numbing of cliche and tasted nothing but batteries and iron all over my tongue. Words rusted in place. Those two chunks, they probably took six months <laughs> trying to get the words just right to have the impact I want. It, it takes a while. Trying to exist in superposition. Trying to exist in superposition. He found inspiration for the song's title in quantum physics. Superposition is when a particle can be both still and moving at the same time, which is how P.O.S. says he felt when his health issues worsened and he had to cancel his first national tour. This was in the fall of 2012, just after he released his album We Don't Even Live Here, which would go on to peak at number 47 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. What I mean when I say trying to exist in superposition is being in bed, taking my first break ever. Um, as a worker who went on my first tour at 14 and had to stop before touring my best album to date at 30 so I could lay down and get healthy. POS pulled in eight collaborators who contributed guest verses for this monster of a song, which runs for nearly nine minutes. Those voices include local artists like Lizzo and Astronautilus, and even POS's 16-year-old son, who makes his musical debut under the name Hard R. There's also punk rock icon Kathleen Hanna from the band Bikini Kill, who has struggled with her own chronic health issues. Just felt incredibly lucky to have like a straight up living legend, like feel what's going on in this song and come get in. These days, even though POS is two years beyond his kidney transplant, he still has to take a ton of medication and be careful about what he eats. Before he got really sick, he was known to be a road warrior who toured hundreds of shows. He can't drive himself quite so hard anymore. The stakes are too high. I almost died. <laughs> I have two kids, you know, and I love them very much, and I don't want them to have a dead dad. <laughs> Even while he was laid up at home these last few years dealing with his health, POS was still actively creating. I wrote a lot, but it wasn't the kind of thing I'd want to share with anybody, you know? Not only because... It was super vulnerable, I don't mind that, but because it wasn't entertaining, you know? It wasn't good music, it was just me talking to me. <laughs> I've salvaged lines from that part of my life and put it into new music that I'm making now. Yeah, I've been waiting for nothing. This pain is nothing. I'll be clutching my stomach. This, this here is nothing. Steaming on what I wanted. This pain is nothing. POS says he has lots of plans, including some other songs he may release as singles this year or maybe save for an upcoming album. Making music, he says, will always be at the center of his life. This is, this is what I do. All this time when I was sick, making songs that won't come out saved my life. Trying to exist in superposition. Trying to exist in superposition. Clock ticket, keep living, man, listen, come on. Show up to shine, show me the sign. Oh, 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 yeah. 
Since Nancy checked in with him in 2016, POS has continued to make more music and he's performing again. He's currently on a 10 year anniversary tour celebrating his 2009 album, Never Better. Here's the title track. Look so raw, so wrong, so vigorous. Twist that beat, that venom, get rid of it all. Oh. Never was down, never was down, never was down. And I hope that's how he's feeling right now, better than ever. So a lot of people with chronic illness have to organize their lives around their medical needs. Most people need to find new routines, new diets, new activities that won't interfere with their health. For POS, that meant that he had to stay inside a lot, and that was very isolating for him. But for some people struggling with chronic illness, the things that make them the happiest may go against doctor's orders. So take Katie Thornton. She used to work here at Cafe I. My name is Katie Thornton. We're at Third Layer Skate Park. Now, Katie loves skateboarding. She's been practicing for a couple of years now. So I usually try to come here on Mondays during the day. Kids are still in school. I like to see kids skate, but I also like to have a little bit of space. That practice has been paying off. She's improved a lot since she started. But honestly, it's really surprising that she chose this sport in the first place because she's got Lyme disease. It's a disease that can really mess with your joints and cause swelling and pain. And the kind of Lyme disease that Katie has is incurable. She's gonna be dealing with it for a long time, probably for the rest of her life. So why would she do something that's such a risk when her body's so fragile? Katie's gonna tell us a bit about why, starting with how she got Lyme disease in the first place. My best guess is that I got bit by a tick when I was 12. I was camping in Wisconsin when my left knee started clicking with every step. A decade of weird, unpredictable pain followed. Finally, at age 23, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Lyme is an autoimmune disorder, so I don't recover well from injuries or illnesses. So these days, I'm 25, and my left knee still hurts. My back hurts. So does my left arm. Pretty often it feels like there's someone inside of me, jabbing me with a hot stick, like they're stoking a fire. Multiple times a day the pain stops me dead in my tracks, and I whimper. So why am I standing at the top of a slick wooden quarter pipe at Third Lair Skate Park in Golden Valley, ready to risk a fall and even more pain? Maybe it has something to do with the pain-relieving effects of adrenaline. Maybe it's just because I can. I'm a beginner and one of a growing number of women to show up on Mondays when women skate for free. Here, my heart beats loudly in my chest. My eyes dart from my board to the ramp to the obstacles in front of me. A preteen boy stands next to me on the ramp. He's a veteran of the sport. He's got some advice. I always say, focus, but don't think, he tells me. So I don't think about the pain. I don't think about the hours I spent with needles and sensors and scanners in and around my body. I don't think about the years I spent walking with a cane. 
Thinking leads to hesitation, and in this sport, hesitation is a surefire way to get hurt. Instead, I try to clear my mind, because there's nothing logical about skateboarding. Think of something as basic as dropping in, which is the first step of any run at a skate park. You have to will yourself to fall forward while trying to balance on a piece of wood on wheels. I probably stepped back off my board 80 times before plunging my body into what I swear was a deep abyss. In reality, it was only two feet high. It took me three tries to ride it out. I managed to stay on top of this board that desperately wanted to go at its own speed. I had subverted gravity. Learning to skate as an adult with chronic pain adds another layer of subversion, of tricking the world around me, and maybe even myself, into thinking I'm well. On a skateboard, I'm a trespasser in the terrain of the physically able. It was one of those surprisingly warm October days. Like a good Minnesotan, I fulfilled the weighty obligation to seize a nice day in late fall. I wrapped up work early and rode my bike across the river to an outdoor skate park in St. Paul. It was before 3 p.m. on a school day, which means, as it often does, that there were other grown-ups seeking refuge at the park. Two men, probably in their late 30s. I introduced myself and got suited up. By now, I had moved on to some tricks. After plunging my body down the ramp, I rolled up a quarter pipe with enough speed to put my front wheels over the rounded metal edge of the ramp. When you do it right, you roll back the other way. The ramp cradles you and propels you toward the park's other features. When you do it wrong, your wheels get stuck above that metal edge. Your momentum stops. Gravity propels you straight down. I did it wrong. I dropped five feet and landed on my hip. One of the guys said, that's gonna hurt tomorrow. For most skaters, this would have been a pretty routine fall. But with my body, it's meant new weekly visits to physical therapy and a daily exercise regimen. So why do I continue to risk it? Living with chronic illness has meant that the rest of my life has been complicated by pain, pills, and a labor-intensive diet designed to combat an invisible enemy. But I haven't gotten better. So living with illness means that the idea of effort leading to results has been obliterated. Skateboarding is the opposite. With practice, I can watch myself improve. Katie, you have it. Effort can actually lead to accomplishment. Yes! It's my middle finger to Lyme disease. You should do it again. Two to make it through. Oh, no, it's <laughs> my illness is chronic. That means it's not going away. But skateboarding reminds me that it's possible, if only for a few fleeting moments, to feel good in my body. I like that idea from Katie about not thinking. Just just hold your thoughts. If you're gonna make an omelet, just put the pot on the stove and cook it. If you're gonna read a book, just open the first page. Since she produced that story, Katie has gone on to be a National Geographic Fellow. She's currently traveling throughout the UK and Singapore, and she's working on a project right now called Death in a Digital Age. As part of the project, She's been interviewing people who work in cemeteries. Here's someone she talked to, a man named Wayne, who's a grave digger on the outskirts of London. Uh, never realized I'd be a grave digger. 
I guess it's one of those things you get used to. I've done loads of things in my life. For 10 years, I was going to work in a suit in a very warm office. And most people would quite enjoy that. But truthfully, I began to hate it. Never once in my life did I ever think I would end up working in a cemetery. But I can actually say it's the only job I actually love going to work. You can follow Katie's work at itskatiethornton.com. We'll also link it in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Miniculture. Support for Miniculture is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. The show is produced by Sophie Nikitas, Emily Bright, and Nancy Rosenbaum. Editing help comes from Todd Melby. Our theme music is by Javier Santiago. And lastly, a big thanks to KFAI for being our home. Please remember to rate us on the podcast app of your choice. And also tell your friends about us. I'm Jamunde Tway, and I'll catch you all next time.